Welcome to Trial Lawyer Review. My name is Jason Lazarus, your host. This podcast is for and about trial lawyers. We'll tell the stories of trial lawyers who go to battle every day in courtrooms throughout the United States for injury victims. And this will be about their stories and about their practices. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, when you talk about that, that, you know, you're, you're seeing someone at their lowest. It's one of the things that I talk about constantly with people here at Synergy is, and I use my case in, as an example saying, my case is, is nothing compared to what a lot of the people that we work with, people that have been burned, people that have brain injuries, people that are, you know, paralyzed, um, or, you know, people that have lost a loved one, a child, in the the responsibility that we all have as part of the the greater team that serves that population it's such an important mission and an important thing that you do that we do in helping people it, it really is um it's an awesome responsibility and opportunity to to really be a catalyst to help change people's lives um, you know i know for me the the fact that you're you and your firm represented me and handled that case the way you handled it you know was part of what why I'm able to, to be here today and do what I'm doing and you know I mean th those are important life-changing moments and um, you know you guys doing that on a daily basis is so important and, and I really tried to make sure our team understands that those people that they are getting the opportunity to help have been through something truly life-altering in most instances by the time they get to, to working with you know synergy and so i i think that that that's an important thing to never lose focus of as human beings is that you know we, we've got this this we've got to make sure we we do it with empathy and that that was one of the things i was going to ask you about is is how do you how do you connect empathetically with what your client's been through if, if you've not been through it. And and I don't mean that to say that you, you can't know or, or I, I just, I, I found that, you know, for me, not having ever been through anything like what I went through, it, it was hard to understand until I actually found myself in that situation. No, I'm sure you have a way better understanding of it than anybody who hasn't been through it personally does for sure. Um, I think I have a pretty good I can't get as close as you are to it because it hasn't happened to me, but everybody's had some tragedy in their life or some loss or, you know, some bad event like that. So you can't, um, as a lawyer, uh, get trapped in that where you get so, so empathetic that it upset, you know, you'd be depressed and you wouldn't be able to do your job if you got, so you have to be a little bit objective and, and stand back a little bit. Um, but every now and then you get a case that, you know, I've had cases with kids who get hurt or injured, and the kids are the kid in the case is the exact same age as one of my kids. That always, because then you really think about it and think, oh my God, this family is, I can't imagine, I can't even imagine. I had a case where a family from Texas came here for a Disney vacation. You know, it's the greatest trip of their life. They save up, they come here, their little girl drowns in the pool and dies. And she's the exact same age as my daughter. And I just remember, I can't even imagine. You're on vacation. And you lose a kid. It's just, it's the worst, you know, how do you ever, ever get back from that? And the first time I met them, I told, I was so broken up by it. I said, look, 
no matter what happens, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to help you in this case, but no matter what happens, I can't make it better. You know, whatever amount of money we get in this case is not going to be worth what you've been through. And I'm sorry, and that's all that we can do. You know, I, I just told him flat out the first time I met him, I'm going to do everything we can, but nothing we do is going to make this better. So you, you have to work on, you know, keeping your family together and staying positive and trying to move past this and then kind of compartmentalize the case and just put it on the back burner and let us worry about the case. You worry about trying to, you know, get therapy and keep your family together and move forward. And, and the dad really appreciated that. And I still, he still texts me sometimes and um, talks about that. But yeah, it's hard. If you get too personally involved in the cases then as a lawyer, you would get depressed and, and not be able to work. So you got to be a little bit removed from it, but still be empathetic. And I kind of tell, the, what you said earlier, I kind of tell our staff that sometimes. And I, I think our staff is good about it, the people that work in our firm. But when you see it every day, you get more hardened to it. And I always tell them, I don't ever want to be like one of these doctor offices that just treats people. Like when I go to the doctor sometimes, I'm amazed that they can even stay in business the way they treat people. They have the big glass window you're not you can't even you're so you know this is pre-covid of course but they've got the big glass window sign in how are you paying we need to know how you're paying before you talk to anyone yeah you know wait in line we're an hour and a half late and then the doctor comes in for five minutes i mean if if, if lawyers acted like that we'd we'd be out of business and i just i'm shocked that that can be a business model so when i hear somebody at our firm talk to somebody like that on the phone, I always say, hey, these all of our clients are people who've had the worst thing in their whole life happen to them. And that's why we represent them. So give them a little bit of slack when they call, talk to them like a person. Don't say that's not my department or, you know, please be advised. We'll call you later or, you know, don't treat them so coldly. Treat them like somebody who who you would want to be treated that way if, if you got hurt or lost a loved one or something. And it's hard to do. You can't do it all the time. But I try to remind people in our office that we're not a doctor's office and we're all human beings and you got to <clears throat> treat clients the way you want to be treated. And then they do once I remind them. Yeah. I mean, it's an important point though, that, that idea that no matter what you, you are able to recover in compensation, it really never is enough to compensate for what you've been through. Typically speaking, if it's a fairly significant accident or if you've lost someone in your life, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is the system only has money to compensate, but it it truly is is not worth it. I certainly would would rather have not had the experiences I had, although I, I, I do think that they've served a purpose in my life to some extent, given what I do. But I still would much rather have not experienced all those things that that I went through and, you know, ultimately needing some counseling just to get through everything. I mean, the emotional impact of, of these things, aside from the physical, and especially if it's, you know, the loss of, of a child, even, even you know, more significant, it, it's just so difficult. So with that, how do, you, how do you connect with a jury to convey what a client has been through as a result of an accident, whether it's a you know, automobile accident, medical malpractice, or, I mean, I know you've handled some of these catastrophic cases, you know, where children have been killed and one's been paralyzed. I, I'll never forget that case that I worked on together with you. Um, I mean, these cases are, are just so 
tragic. How do you get that across to the jury, the impact that this has had so that the jury can really understand it and ultimately provide your client with the with the end result that you're seeking for them? Yeah, that's that's hard, right? And that's that's the biggest thing is I think um, the more fortunately that case that you just mentioned that that, that case was horrific. I mean, I, three kid, two of their kids die and one kid's paralyzed. That, that may be the worst case I've ever handled. And those parents were some of the most positive I know. Uh, people. It's incredible. I kept telling them, I can't believe y'all are even functioning, much less so positive, And it's incredible. Um, and fortunately, that case settled. We didn't have to try it. But the cases that we do have to try, that's always a hard part, right? And I think <clears throat> really more than what the lawyers do, it's the people you get on the jury. Because there are some people who are compassionate and they're able to put themselves in somebody else's shoes and, and empathize with them and thank gosh, what, what would I feel like if this happened to me? And then there's some people on the jury that no matter how good I could be the best lawyer in the world, I'm not going to convince them to award money no matter what. There's some people just like that and they want to blame the, <clears throat> the plaintiff and think, well, I, I, that, you know, I would have never driven home like that or I wouldn't have bought that car. You know, they, they create an unrealistic world where they're perfect and nothing bad would ever happen to them. And ironically, when something bad happens to people like that is when they're super livid and they want to sue everyone. And <laughs> those kind of people are, are tough clients. But I think really to answer your question, it's who you pick on the jury. If you get a good jury that is open-minded and um, responsible and they can think about others, then it's not really too hard. I mean, you know, we had the rule in Florida about the gold. You can't really ask a jury to put yourself in the plaintiff's shoes. You can't say it expressly, but that's really what you're trying to do. And I think the way you try to do it is in the in a real way. Not you don't want it to look rehearsed or fake. So a lot of times, and I, you know, there's a lot of great lawyers that see the other side of this. But there's a lot of great lawyers that really prep clients on that kind of stuff, and they do whole days of. Uh, psychodrama and these different tools where therapists will help clients be able to talk about this kind of stuff and they really prep for it and that's great and I think it works for some lawyers I'm kind of of the other school is I don't think I don't like to ask them those really tough questions beforehand I, I talk about it with them and, and so I can figure out what to ask them but I've done better asking those clients those tough questions the first time they ever had it asked was in trial on the stand and then you can really see their response because it's I had one client who's a really tough guy never cried the whole case very stoic very few words um, very understated and the first time I ever asked him you know what's what's the best thing you know what's your best memory with your child and I gave the child's name what's the best memory you're and he literally just broke down and could barely answer the question because if I had asked him that several times over and over and he had a rehearsed answer, it doesn't come as power, but he could literally barely answer the question. And it really didn't matter what he said because just his reaction, the way he looked, the jury could all, they all kind of winced. Like they just, it was hard to watch because oh. it was real, you know? So if, I guess the answer is, is you just got to be real about everything and be honest. And then I think the jury sides with you more than the defense who's usually peddling some BS and nonsense and trying to trick them. So hopefully they see through that. So I know you, you handle kind of a, a diverse sets of cases and you do a lot of catastrophic type cases and you still do some of the 
the the nursing home stuff i think um what what are the types of cases that you you really enjoy handling the most and why yeah i'm kind of doing everything now um I, when i was at the morgan firm i was in the nursing home department so that was the bulk of my cases i did hundreds of nursing home cases and after a while they honestly start to run together because the issues are almost always the same and it, it got honestly got to be really depressing because every i started to realize man everybody gets old and we're yeah. all all of our parents are going to end up in this condition in a nursing home and it's just it was really depressing after a while because you just see no matter what kind of family is where they're from how much money they have how smart you know what their education they all get really old and they all have these problems happen and then i saw my you know grandparents go through it fortunately my parents are still pretty healthy but they're getting older um so the nursing home work got to be pretty pretty tough and pretty depressing so i consciously tried to start doing other cases because it was really kind of just getting upsetting i've seen families torn apart by these nursing home cases so now i kind of do everything um the most interesting stuff that i, I really have started liking some of these product cases because you learn a lot about whatever the product is like i had a forklift case i didn't know anything about forklifts i thought a forklift was a forklift um and i learned there's you know the the defense lawyer in that case was actually a great guy from philadelphia and he just defends forklift cases and the first time I talked to him on the phone, I remember thinking, man, I got a lot to learn because he's like, is it a cushion tire? Is it a stand up? Is it a sit down? Is it, you know, he named about eight different forklifts. I said, I don't know. It's a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, but I like, I like doing that. I like learning. I had a, you know, I think you remember, I think you helped on this case, but I had a case with a power substation that blew up and burned um, some clients and learned a lot about power and electricity and substations and power stations and stuff that I just had no clue uh, was out there. Super complicated stuff, but it's neat. In your case, you learn your one little specific area. So it's kind of fun to learn different areas. And that way, every case is a little bit different. It doesn't run together. Is there a particular case that you've handled that you think is kind of the most important or influential case that you've handled? a good question um i did have one uh case and it, it was there's a confidentiality so i won't name any products or anything but it was a garbage truck um and it was a super cool family uh vietnamese family <clears throat> came here from vietnam after the war with literally nothing you know on a refugee boat ended up in america um the dad gets a job in saint pete working for the uh, garbage, you know, pickup over in Pinellas County and worked his ass off. And every co-worker said he was, he, he did the work of four men, even into his, he's 70 something when this happened. Um, all of his co-workers were begging him to retire because he was getting so old. Had two daughters that came here not speaking English. Both of them ended up going to grad school. One was a doctor, one was an accountant, super smart. He paid their way through, I think, Duke and some other good school working as a garbage man. Um, hardest worker, just greatest guy in the world. Everybody said he outworked everyone there. They all loved the guy. He ends up getting crushed in the back of a garbage truck when he's cleaning it. The hydraulic lift closes on him, <clears throat> paralyzes him. He lives for a while in the nursing home and, and dies. Horrific case, really sad. Right when he was, he was literally like, they finally convinced him to retire. He's maybe a one month from retiring. Um, gets hurt by this garbage truck. And 
couple other law firms that looked at it said there's no case. I mean, it's really sad, but it's workers' comp. You know, it's a comp case. That's it. There's no product case. The hydraulic lift did what it's supposed to do. It closed. He was standing there. It was beeping. There's no case. But I really like the family, and I just tried to think of a way that we, you know, could look at the case. And I went over there, and I think a lot of lawyers should do this. I went over there myself and stood in the yard of the garbage place where, you know, there's 50 garbage trucks. And what I heard was something's beeping all the time over there. <laughs> there's right. garbage trucks coming and going and raising the lids and, and things are beeping. So it's like white noise. And I talked to one of the guys. I said, do you even hear these beeping noises anymore? And he said, no, I honestly, I'm here. They beep all day long. I don't, I don't pay attention to it. So I started thinking, well, this uh, hydraulic lid should have a different noise or it should have lights or it have, you know, should have something different to warn these guys when they're back there because all you hear is beeping. So we started looking at it and just came up with some, honestly, some really kind of a stretch theories on, you know, the first time the defense lawyer called me, he's like, we're going to get summary judgment and, you know, we don't have to have all this stuff. No garbage trucks have this. And I said, well, they should, <laughs> you know, so, um, I had another good thought in that case, um, just Googling around, I see that they have the garbage truck convention in Vegas um, once a year with all the vendors that supply parts for garbage trucks. <clears throat> so I went out there and walked through the vendor hall and, and there's literally hundreds of vendors that sell every product you can imagine for a garbage truck. And I took pictures of them and took their pamphlets and found all this stuff that you could have on the back of a garbage truck to make it safer. So it's not like I'm dreaming up some crazy theory that all this stuff is out there. You could go buy it. And there's flashing strobe lights that'll go off when the thing's closing that would give them a visual warning. <clears throat> there's cameras you can put back there so the guy driving the truck doesn't close it on someone. I found 20 different, you know, safety features out there. So we, we did a really cool video that showed what the truck looked like when it paralyzed him. And then we had a a kid from UCF that I hired that's really good at Photoshop and it cost me nothing. I said, take all these safety features that I got at the Vegas convention and Photoshop them onto the truck and show what it look, would look like with everything. When you see the two side by side, it, it, that was the whole case. And I showed that at mediation. And even the defense lawyer told me later, he's like, that's the best exhibit I've ever seen because it really made our truck look ridiculously dangerous. And all these things cost, you know, maybe 50 bucks to add it all. So when you asked about something that kind of made a difference, they actually told me that they added a lot of that. St. Pete added all, a bunch of those things, the lights and the different noise to all their garbage trucks. And the company, I don't know if they did, but they told me they were going to incorporate some of these different safety features into their truck. So that's, you know, that's one thing that we helped change that hopefully prevents some other tragedy from happening. It's funny when I, when I talk to people about the civil justice system and and the work that trial lawyers do, you know, everybody always talks about the hot coffee case, but they don't really know, you know, what happened in that case and the severity of the burns and the family just wanted, you know, their medical bills paid. And, and, but what people don't understand is that the, you know, trial lawyers make the world safer for all of us. If not for that, you know, corporations would do things that, put profits over the lives of people. We've seen it in the automotive industry. We've seen it in a lot of different instances. So, you know, it's yeah, actually there's cases, you know, of where lawyers have gotten, 
memos from corporations that have done research on what will it cost us to keep killing people versus changing the product. And if it's cheaper to keep killing people, sadly, a lot of times they go that route. And they actually write memos about it. It's incredible. Yeah. The, the callousness of some of these companies is incredible. And unfortunately, the government, you know, everybody talks about deregulation like it's a good thing until they realize what it really means. And, you know, they're factory in Houston is blowing up and blowing houses up because it's completely unregulated. Nobody checks on anything. So when you're you live in a completely unregulated society, it gets very, very dangerous. So I, I want people checking my food and checking my products and ch checking my medicine to make sure it's safe. But when they don't, that's, that's what we do. That's what lawyers do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, are, are there any things that you've learned through your career and through your specific instances in, in your own practice that you think, you know, you, you would want to share with younger lawyers who are starting out who maybe, you know, just opening their firms or, you know, thinking about making a change? Yeah. Um, I think if, if I could go back and talk to young lawyers that are just getting out, I would tell them, I think some, the most important thing is, and it sounds super simple, um, showing up, being prepared, and being honest are probably the three um, most important things. Because a lot of lawyers, you know, showing up just means being everywhere, being everywhere on time. Being prepared means actually being prepared. You know, I'm still pretty anal about it. if I have to take a deposition in a case and there's a bunch of records, I like to, you know, look at every record in the case, highlight stuff, pull out the key records, you know, be prepared. Don't just walk into a deposition or hearing unprepared, thinking you can wing it, even if you're a good lawyer. So being prepared sounds simple, but it's, it's harder than you think. And then being honest um, sounds cliched and, you know, oversimplified. But being honest means with your clients, you know, when you talk to them, like I told you earlier about the first time, a lot of times when I talk to clients in these really horrific, tragic cases, I tell them, we're going to, yes, we'll help you. You have a case. We're going to do everything we can. But at the end of the day, all we're going to get is money. That's, that's what a civil. So you have to know that going in. That's all. I can't take the CEO of that company and put him in jail or make him suffer what you suffered or shut them down or any of the stuff that clients want to happen. I can't do that. And, as long, and it, a lot of times, a lot of lawyers that I know have client problems where they can't get a client to settle or they can't get a client to listen to their recommendation. I rarely, <clears throat> rarely have ever had that happen because I'm really honest with clients from the very beginning all the way through. So by the time we get to the end, it's not the first time that I've talked to them about that. They already know that, that we are now in the range of a reasonable settlement and it's not worth the risk of you going forward and they listen to me. Or I'm telling them, you know, that's not a good offer. Let's go try the case. And by then they believe me because I've been completely honest with them the whole time. And I think a lot of lawyers, especially young lawyers, think they need to really um, show their competence and impress the client on the front end and say, oh, this is a slam dunk and this case is worth $400,000 and we're going to win it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And because I've had clients that have fired other lawyers and come to tell me that people said that to them. And I'm always in shock that any lawyer would say that. It's, it's, but lawyers do that. And I think that on the defense side, there's more pressure because I've talked to friends who are defense lawyers and used to be defense lawyers. 
and they have to kind of tell their insurance clients and their corporate clients, oh, this is we're going to defend this case. It's defensible. We can win, blah, blah, blah. Because if they don't show that confidence, then the, the insurance company is yanking the files and sending it to somebody who is talking the big game and being more confident. So there's a fine line on the defense side, you know, because there's no loyalty in that world, and they'll yank all your files overnight. So it's hard to be totally honest with the insurance company. So I'm sure it's harder on that side. But on our side, I think it's always easier to be honest with clients and just they're way more reasonable and realistic when you start off telling them that at the beginning of the case, not at the end of the case. If your first time you're ever having that conversation is at a mediation, then of course you're going to have problems because they say, wait a minute, you're telling me to you know, compromise now, but... At the beginning, you said it was a slam dunk and we were going to win, you know, so that you, you create a problem when you do that. Yeah, and that was my experience with you. I mean, it, it's funny, you know, having been through a lot of mediations, but getting to that point where you're sitting in mediation and you have to make that decision. OK, do I do I resolve my case and having someone that you trust who's told you all along, hey, here's here's where this case should settle for this is a reasonable range and having that understanding and working with clients in a, in a, in a way that they, they feel like, yeah, I know what's going on and I know what to expect. That's, that's incredibly important for, for that person to then be able to make that decision and accept what ultimately is, is a reasonable way to resolve their case. Because like you said, there's, there's no way to undo what's been done. It's just a way to get, resolution and move on. I mean, that's one of the things that we we talk about in working with clients is this idea of going from litigation to life. And, you know, I, I really, I, now I, I truly deeply understand it from having experienced that, that that's, that's a thing and there is a weight lifted off of you as an injury victim once that case is done behind you. It's, it, it, you know, you can never forget, but it is a it is a way to experience some type of closure to it all. And having someone who you trust working with you through the, throughout that process, your your trial lawyer is such an important part of of the relationship between the trial lawyer and the injury victim client. Yeah, I'm sure for you, um, 